episode 280, Punisher, season one, episode two, Two Dead Men. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. It's a podcast about the Marvel Cinematic Universe and we are talking about the Netflix series Punisher. Uh, We are going to be bouncing back and forth between Punisher and Runaways and by we, I mean me, Ben, Ben Avery and Agent Samantha. How are you doing? Hi, good. How are you? Good, good. Good to have you back. Um, It's kind of a nice uh, way of doing things because we can take things at our our own pace and uh, not have to worry like about, Oh, every week we have to get this done right after the episode airs. This is something that um, by at our own pace, I mean, uh, it's been out for a year (laughs) and and (laughs) we're getting to it now and I'm actually just watching it now. So um, as that has happened last time, um, I have not seen anything past this episode. Um, so I'm I'm going in blind right now. Samantha, uh, you've seen some of this season, but not the whole I've season, right? Only, yeah, I've only seen up to episode five. So after, I mean, unless I start getting ahead again, I'm going to be in the same position you are. Okay. Well, I'm still making the phone calls, so you can still make the phone calls. Okay. All right. Um. So what phone calls am I talking about? Well, when we do when we do Netflix series, we call in. Right after we watch the episodes, we can get our just first initial impressions from this thing. And then a year later, we don't have to remember how we felt when we first watched it. And also a year later, we're watching, we're, we're talking about it. Well, not we, but when Stuart's around, um, talking about it with the benefit of having seen the whole series. But our spoiler policy is pretty simple. Uh, we are not going to spoil anything after this episode of Punisher. And... So we are going to talk about some Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. today, though. Did you know that? <gasps> oh, good. And it's not news. <laughs> um, oh, either way. Yeah, yeah. No, this is something um, it connects to this episode. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. did. So I was um, pleasantly surprised as I was looking up some stuff and realized, oh, I remember that. So we'll mm-hmm. get there. We'll get there. But uh, the way we structure these episodes, we're doing our banter right now, and then we are going to listen to some phone calls from Daniel, Stuart, Samantha, and myself. Stuart and Daniel are both people who um, are part of the show, and so they called in on every episode of Netflix. Then we'll talk about the episode, we'll do some feedback, and then after the credits, we will talk about Spider-Man Far From Home, Uh, because that trailer just dropped recently, and... This kind of gets into the timey wimeyness of things, so we're we're going to be talking about this trailer. A couple, well, you're going to hear it a week or two after the trailer has has dropped. But um, yeah, Spider-Man: Far From Home trailer has dropped, 
And we still don't know what happens in Endgame with all the people who were um, snapped away. So, Yeah, so if you're listening back, um, like, say, a year or so later from the time we, re- we are recording this. Um, so we are currently in between Infinity War and Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel has not been released. Endgame has not been released. And then they just dropped the trailer for Spider-Man, Spider-Man Homecoming. F- far from sorry, home. Not home. Far from home, which has a, I think, a ton of spoilers for how some things are going to end with Endgame. Well, yeah, we'll talk about that later. We won't talk about specific spoilers necessarily, um, but I think that the, really the big conversation is about, they released this now? (laughs) And and Disney's been working really hard to not, you know, let any details out about Endgame. Well, there's some details that are out now, and we'll get yeah. to it. Okay, remind me, when is Far From Home going to be released? July. July, okay. Fourth uh, of July weekend. Fourth. Okay, so they plausibly could have released this like shortly after Endgame was released, but you really want to build up the hype. Anyways, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll talk, talk about, about it later. Talk about it. So um, right now we're going to play some voicemails from when we first watched this episode. And for me, that means the voicemail is from like a few days ago. So, <laughs> um, so let's play those now. Punisher, two dead men. Agent Daniel here. I really like the show. I mean, I think it's well acted. I, I think it feels like a a gritty action adventure. I, I even I like the use of Karen here almost more. Uh, well, yeah, definitely more than I like her in the use of Daredevil. She feels more independent. She's making decisions more on her own. Daredevil sometimes because of this unspoken past, she often felt like a victim. Where here she really does feel like she's making her own path and her own decisions, and she's chosen. To help Frank, because even though Frank is a horrible, horrible murderer, wow, that does just sit on you. Even though he's a horrible, horrible murderer, um, she doesn't know he's been wronged and that he has pain. And in, in this case, she's potentially setting it up for him to go murder someone. Um, find micro interesting, as we've seen him here. Um, I've seen a few different, honestly, a few different portrayals of Micro in the comics, and going from all the way from the the, the guy Friday, the assistant, to I'm um, really kind of a, a manipulator, someone who manipulated Frank on behalf of the the, uh, the CIA. Um, so it'll be interesting to see here how this Micro is going to go down. Is he a true, true believer? I mean, he. I mean, he set Frank up to have a member of Red Dawn murdered, for heaven's sake. Um, I get to take that seriously. But at the same time, I think he's doing it for altruistic reasons, question mark. It'll just be interesting to see if Micro uh, can make it to the end of the season. Is Micro going to make it to the end? That, that's something to consider. So, but again, I love the show. Again, the whole sequence of chasing around Micro was a little predictable that he was in the trunk. I think it was an okay predictable. Um, put us in the, ma- the mind of Frank, where we all might have felt like we were a little bit smarter than Micro for a minute. But uh, yeah, I really, I really enjoy this Punisher show. I, it's, it's fantastic. Peace out later, bye. 
Punisher episode two. This is Agent Stu. See, that was funny. Unlike this episode, <laughs> there is no comedy in this episode whatsoever. Um, it's not. I don't think there's any going to be any comedy in the show. Except maybe a one-off joke or something like that. If Turk or something shows up. Um, do I like this series? I don't know. I don't know that it's my cup of tea necessarily because, you know, Punisher, Frank Castle, is really, I mean, he's not a, he's not a good guy that doesn't necessarily, we we talked about it on the show. He has his own code of, code of honor, um, and it is very black and white. And so if you wrong him or if he believes that you've wronged him, you will be a double. The problem is, does that go with what my worldview is? And no, that's why it's, you know, escapist television or whatever. Like in the last episode where he, you know, wields Thor's hammer and then takes those guys to task, the fight between him, between Punisher and the, um, and the cop dude from, uh, Homeland Security, that's intense. And I kind of was thinking that he'd let him do it for a little bit. I was trying to think of that he'd get bested, but then uh, he'd let him do it. So, anyway, uh, I don't know what I think of this series. All right. Uh, peace out. Later. Bye. Hey, I just finished episode two of Punisher, and I finished it up. Uh, I have no many idea how many months after I finished episode one. Um, I've been, I've really been putting the show off. Um, but I'm finally getting back on the train because, well, we finished up season five of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, we're already starting on, um, Cloak and Dagger, so I, which means that Defenders is coming up. I need to do this now. Uh, yes, so I just finished up, uh, um, Two dead men. And these two dead men, they're not so dead. In fact, they are very much alive. And they are dealing with a lot of stuff. And I have found... Well, I I didn't like that people were calling uh, Frank a hipster because he doesn't look like a hipster. He just looks like he's homeless. Hipsters tend to look a little bit more clean and more fashionable. And they tend to look a little bit more manicured. And Frank looks like he's homeless, uh, which he almost is. um, Because he's, in a way, kind of dead already on the inside. Um, But uh, good old Frank, he's still hanging in there, even if he doesn't know why. And speaking of hipster, I'm getting through this show by knitting. I have a friend who wants a Slytherin scarf. So I'm knitting with a lot of green and a lot of white, white, uh, or I'm sorry, a lot of light gray. And I have a cat in my lap. I'm hipster. Frank's not. Well, I'm not exactly hipster. I'm nerdy. I'm your basic white chick. Frank's not.
<laughs> yeah, Frank's definitely not a basic white chick. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's go on to episode three, Kandahar. Talk to you later. Bye. Hello, people of the future. I am Ben calling you from the past. And this joke about how it's not really the past, it's actually... Well, it is the past, but not the far past, so talking about the future. I'm, I'm done with the joke. Okay, so Punisher Season 1, Episode 2, and here is the deal. This is pretty good. Um, not as many people died as I thought would, and, uh, you know, keeping track of that, that, uh, body count. We only had a, uh, two, two dead men. Um, that's the title too. But, uh, this, episode has the cat and mouse aspect with him and and uh micro and it has the uh um the face off with um what's his name from uh homeland security and you know this is this is some decent television brutal yes uh violent yes um not as much as the last episode though and uh yeah, I, and the other thing is, I, I know by now I can see where this series seems to be taking us, uh, and what direction we're, we're going in with this, um, somewhat. So that's, that's also good. But, yeah, um, good job, Punisher people, because you got a decent thing on your hands here. And, uh, we've, this is definitely at least holding up with, uh, the other Netflix stuff, for sure. So we'll see, I mean, there's still, what we'll a lot more episodes, but we will see how much uh, how much better or worse it gets. But it is good to see, you know, that this this series is standing alone on its own, um, and <laughs> not really connecting much. Although there, there is a what's her name, um, Karen. She's she's involved, and that's it's good to see her back. So, uh, yeah, future Ben. Um, you know, we're, we're much closer now. Um, <laughs> uh, that wasn't even funny, uh, but I'm laughing anyway. Okay. Um, but that's my initial response. I'm liking it. Not loving it, but I'm liking it. Later, dudes. All right. So I'm glad uh, that you clarified that Frank Castle is not a typical white chick. No, he's so, not. He- <laughs> Um, and also, did you ever finish the, was the scarf? Yes. Yeah. Yes, you, I did. You did. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's Slytherin. It's Slytherin. Yes. Was it for you or was it for someone else? Poor friend. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> Slytherins can be good. I, I'm they not, can be leaders. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not saying they can't. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just I thought it was kind of funny the the details that were coming out as your your voice <laughs> voicemail continued. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I wanted to let's let's talk about the title here: Two Dead Men. Um, you mentioned that it was two men who were clearly not dead. Um, I didn't think about the title in that way because. Yeah. Uh, there are two dead men in this episode as well. Um, the guy who gets shot on the video and then uh, Wolf who gets killed in his house. 
I was so, so ready I took for it, Wolf not to be alive. I did not <laughs> like his character. I, I I took it so I took it really literally though. Like here's two dead men, you know. Um, but I think I like your interpretation better. <laughs> <laughs> of uh, basically, it's Micro and and uh, Frank who are quote unquote dead. They have tombstones and everything. Yeah. Um. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they're fake dead and they're walking around. Everyone believes them to be dead or almost everyone believes them to be dead. Um, but then the title also comes from the nonsense poem that gets mentioned uh, in the the flashback with, with Frank's family. Have you ever heard this poem before? No, I haven't. It There were a couple kids in my... Um, my elementary school who would say this poem really, really fast. And it was just, it really is this, this kind of goofy nonsense poem. It reminded me a lot of uh, Shel Silverstein. In fact, I thought it was Shel Silverstein until I was looking into it and realizing, Oh no, this is like a, um, one of those, Oh, what, I don't know what they call it with, but it's not, it's not a nursery rhyme, but it's the kind of thing like a nursery rhyme where it just, people know it. You know, and it just gets it just went around the world, you know, and, and went with people who knew it to other places who then taught it to other people and they knew it uh, just like your ring around the rosy and that kind of thing. So the, the poem is um, one fine day in the middle of the night, two dead boys got up to fight back to back. They faced each other, drew their swords and shot each other. One was blind and the other couldn't see. So they chose a dummy for the referee. A blind man went to see fair play. A dumb man went to shout hooray. A paralyzed donkey passing by kicked the blind man in the eye, knocked him through a nine-inch wall into a dry ditch and drowned them all. A deaf policeman heard the noise and came to arrest the two dead boys. And if you don't believe the story is true, ask the blind man. He saw it too. So <laughs> you can, I mean, you can, that definitely feels like a Shel Silverstein kind of thing. Yeah. Um, just with with all the macabre details as well, um, but that's the poem that Frank is telling to his kids. But the way he said it, I, I believe it was uh, two dead men got up to fight, and so yeah, which is because we're dealing with two men, not boys. Yeah, yeah, and the titles and two dead men, and yeah, and Frank and Micro seem to be um, rising from the dead to fight each other. Although they didn't fight, and I'm not convinced they're going to be at odds because Micro is a character from the comics who um, I believe he's a support staff kind of thing for for Punisher. Uh, that is something I actually need to find out more details about before we, we do our next episode. But um, he is a character from the comics. And you know what else he's a character from? What? Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Is he? Yeah. He this is the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. connection. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't actually on screen, but he was mentioned in a second season episode, uh, the episode Writing on the Wall. And he helps uh, Daisy, Sky, Quake, whoever, um, to uh, find some details about the the writing on people's bodies in that episode. And he, he finds, uh, I think he finds a picture of a, a dead woman with, with writing on her body. And she talks about him as a, um, he's a crime nut and he's a member of the rising cry, um, rising tide. 
And so he's, a, he's one of the hacktivists with the rising tide. And, uh, she says, my, I, I know a guy, his name's micro and he does this. He'll help us kind of thing. Oh, okay. So he was on the show in spirit off screen, right? He was off screen, okay. but mentioned by name as a member of the rising tide. Okay. Which, um, I don't think they did that on purpose. They, they did it on purpose to reference the guy from Punisher. And I remember that happening. But I did not remember it until I was I was doing some looking around about about micro, and and then I realized oh <laughs> he he's the same guy that they were talking about. But um, yeah, so he's a member of the Rising Tide, mm. and or was when Rising Tide was doing their thing, and it fortunately they didn't do or say anything in that episode to make it. In this episode, you know, go against continuity. Yeah. So far. Um, but just by saying, hey, he's a men- member of a hacktivist group, he could do that from anywhere and it goes along with his character. Um, being a, what was he involved? He was, he was a kind of a weekly, WikiLeaks kind of guy, leaking information to the press. Yeah, he was a, a spook, yeah. a tech guy. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, doesn't go against that. Just uh, I, I don't think that they back then when they mentioned the character, they weren't like thinking, oh, and then, you know, in a few years, they're going to have a Netflix series of Punisher and he'll show up yeah. there. And they, I don't think they're thinking that far ahead, but it was nice for them to do the name drop there and for to still fit here. So that's cool. Okay. All right. Well, um, yeah, let's let's talk through this episode then. Uh, we start with a flashback of Frank visiting the Statue of Liberty with his kids, having fun, talking about being a soldier. Um, and then his son says something about um, you know killing people, and he's like, don't talk about it like that. Uh, but obviously, this is a flashback because his family's not alive. Then we move to a diner where he's trying to eat anonymously, and he gets a phone call from a guy called Micro who knows a lot more than he should. And Frank has a disc from Micro that he's told to watch. And on the disc, there is a video of a man being interrogated and shot and killed. And so Frank goes to Kurt, the guy who's running the um, support group, because he wonders if what happened to his family is related to what happened there in Kandahar. Um, He's basically asking the question, what if I killed my family? Uh, Agent Dinah has seen the same tape because that murder was the agent she was talking about last episode, a friend of Maud, and she can't get permission to seek out Billy Russo, who was also on the tape along with Frank and Schoonover. Uh, but she schedules a tactical training simulation, which is run by him, by Billy Russo. Wolf is on to her, though, and he interrupts as she's trying to talk to him about some stuff. But Russo says, hey, let, we can go talk off duty. So Frank goes to Karen Page basically to find out if she told anyone if he's alive and then asking for her help in finding Micro. And she wants to help him, but only if someone is not getting killed. It's manipulation on his side as he's working with her and it's passive aggression on hers as she's talking with him. Uh, But she gets him the info he needs. And so let's talk about Micro then. Micro watches his family on a screen. Micro is dead in 
as far as the world is concerned, but he is still alive and he is a tech guy. And so he is, um, he has hidden cameras in his family's house and he then sees Frank get into his family's house by pretending to get hit by micro's wife. When she pulls into the driveway, he has a conversation with her. They both lost family. She says, David died doing something very brave and very stupid. He helps her fix her garage door. Micro sees it all happen. Um, and then he goes back to his apartment and packs his stuff and leaves. Um, in Wolf's house now, we're moving to the the death that you were waiting for, I guess, Samantha. Um, Frank attacks Wolf and tortures him to find out about David Lieberman, Micro. But then um, Wolf turns the tables while tied to a chair. Frank, however, was just pretending to be powerless because Wolf got a gun from him, but the gun is unloaded. And he was hoping for Wolf to talk. And so Wolf did not talk under torture, but he does when he thinks he has the upper hand. And after he's done talking, Frank kills him. Later, Dinah is interrogating Billy Russo at a bar to find out about what happened and find out, you know, if he knew anything about what happened in Kandahar. But she gets called away to investigate Wolf's murder. And in our final situation here, Frank starts calling shots with Micro. He has him driving all over the city, telling him, don't be followed, move to this spot. Don't get followed, move to this spot. Come alone, come alone. Uh, the final destination is his own grave. And Frank doesn't meet him there. Instead, he sends in Kurt. And Kurt talks to him and says, basically, leave, leave Frank alone. Micro goes back to his lair. And Frank was in the trunk of his car. So he doesn't even have to follow him. He just piggybacks the ride with him. And that is two dead men. How did you feel about Billy Russo? Um, what do you mean? Uh, what was your first instinct about him? Did you like him? Did you not? Uh, you know, I kind of liked him. I mean, he seemed like a nice guy. Um, he definitely f- seems to have a, a moral compass or moral center as they're talking about the things that you know he was doing in, in the war um yeah i mean i i don't know because my initial reaction was he's too good looking and he's on television don't trust him <laughs> and he's acting nice right yes so okay. but his hair is all slicked back and he's in a suit, and he looks professional. Because he's a businessman. He owns a business. He, it's called Anvil. <laughs> and <laughs> it's uh, he runs these tactical simulations. And, you know, it, it was exciting. It's like, oh, it's an action scene. And then you realize, as the situation plays out, that, no, it's not. They're doing tactical training. So, yeah, I mean, I, I want to hold the hold it against him that he's good looking but it was the hair slicked back thing that got me (laughs) well the hair slicked back i i didn't notice that but that is an indicator that's a trope from what the late 80s early 90s yeah it is yeah and i don't know he just seemed like a a nice guy who wants to protect frank (laughs) and because frank was also a good guy you know yeah we'll see i do not trust him Okay. Well, so, um, I'm going to put him on death watch. By the end of the season, he will be dead. <laughs> okay. So, you know who I did not think was going to be dead by the end of the season? Or at who? least by the end of this episode? Wolf. 
Like, oh, I was so glad for that. I did not like him. Well, you're not supposed to like him, but he, you know, he's he's the workplace foil for our agent who is an honorable uh, Dinah. I don't remember her last name, but um, um, Madoni. Yeah, Madani. I'm sorry. She's the, you know, she's our honorable agent who's trying to do right, and he's the boss who's getting in the way. And I did not expect him to um, get knocked this far out of the way because. <laughs> He is not going to stop her now. Yeah. How did you like the way that that castle interrogated him? Um, I found it interesting because. I mean. Wolf says torture is not going to work. I know I've done it. And Frank knows also because he's been involved in it. And so he purposefully allows him to escape, allows him to get the upper hand with the gun and then has left the gun unloaded, but basically is counting on um, evil mastermind monologue to happen, which it does. And Another trope. I, I think this, I think Wolf is so tropey because his <laughs> last name's Wolf. He comes in just aggressive and racist and sexist towards uh, Madani. And then next episode, he's like, Oh, I'm the big man on campus. And he's like, ah, look, I, I slipped out of your trap and I got your gun. Ha ha ha. Bang. He's dead. <laughs> I, okay. I didn't see it coming though. Like I, I maybe by the end of the season, but not this episode, I figured he was going to be an ongoing thing. No, nope. Not ongoing. Not at all. Ongoing. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just thought his, his character was a bit ridiculous. Cause it was like, Oh, are you going to do something that's more tropey for, you know, the cranky, jerk boss at work <laughs> well but but here's the thing i mean she's wanting to investigate and so he's causing her to have to get creative you know and she he, so he's yeah. out of the way now and she's it the power structure has completely changed now uh she's the agent in charge you know she gets to call shots now and i, I found it very interesting that it happened I liked the way Frank turned the tables by making it look like Wolf turned the tables. Uh, that was that was good. That was good writing. I wasn't expecting that outcome to happen. Um, I did. I, I was right along with Wolf when he's saying torture is not going to work. I'm like, yeah, dude, torture is not going to work. Why are you doing this? Um, and then you find out why. <laughs> and yeah. it works. The Wolf, he... He, uh, he reminded me a lot of um, So I Married an Axe Murderer with Mike Myers. Mm -hmm. uh, his character in that movie, the best friend to him, um, is a police officer. But he's a police officer that wants to be on a cop show. And so his poli police chief is actually a really nice guy. But he encourages his police chief to be kind of tough as nails. I can't believe you did that sort of thing. And... There's a really hilarious scene, like sequence that happens between this guy and this police chief. It's been so long since I've seen that movie. Oh, that's a, it's a great movie. That's that's yeah. one that my wife and I quote to each other. Yeah, often. Excuse me, I ordered the large Valentine's Day idea. Yeah, get it for Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah, so our our body count is. I'm keeping a body count of how many people Frank has killed, and he has now killed. 15 or 16. And so 14 from last episode on screen. 
wolf in this episode, and then there's the video. And so what I, I'm not sure, but I'm wondering, is Frank the guy who made the shot, who took the shot um, on the video killing Ahmad? And I don't know if that's what they're trying to um, imply, uh, but if it is what they're trying to imply, that's going to be a big deal, I, I would imagine, in the show. Uh, but if it's not, then you know who it is that did it? I don't know. So whenever we find out if it was Frank or not, we will add that one in. So right now our body count is at 15 or 16, which honestly is a lot lower than I was expecting in this episode. Um, well, we're only on episode two. Well, but I mean, in episode one, we had 14. Yeah. You know, and so I was expecting something more like that. And but this episode really is uh, what do I call it. Two Dead Men or Frank's Home Invasion Follies. Um, <laughs> you know, and so Frank, he's in two conflicts in this episode, one with Wolf and then one with Micro. And they're intertwined, um, but in both of them, he ends up going into their home and, you know, for, for whatever his purposes are, um, primarily informational. Although in, in Wolf's home, he also gets into a pretty brutal fight and then kills the guy. Whereas in Micro's home, it's really tense. It's really, really tense. Oh, not just his his family's home, his hideout. Well, and that's, yeah, that's the end. Yeah. Um, the hideout thing, it's tense because it was a cliffhanger. And I'm wondering, okay, what's going to happen? The home thing, I'm wondering, is, is, is he going to draw out Micro? What's going to happen? Micro goes to the house, but doesn't get out, doesn't go after Frank. Um, I have a couple thoughts, though, about, about the whole micro thing. Um, first of all, the family is doing their thing in the house. The wife looked, almost looked like she was looking in the camera. I don't know if this was meant to be, if it's intentional on her part. It was, she did look in the camera, but the question is, does she know cameras are there? And, I don't know. And if she does know cameras are there, then it would seem that she might know that he's alive, but she's keeping up appearances so he can not get really killed. Yeah. But when she looked at the camera, she was also looking at a family portrait where David was in the picture. Mm -hmm. Micro. Um, so, and in that context, either she's looking straight at the camera, trying to communicate something to him, or she's, thinks her husband really is dead and she's just looking at this picture remembering. Right. And, and so I, I don't know. And I, I wonder, does micro know, <laughs> you know, if, so the possibilities are she doesn't know or she does know and he knows she knows, but they have to pretend that she doesn't know or she knows and micro doesn't know that mm. she does. Uh, which would be interesting. That, that'd be an interesting dynamic where she's doing all this pretending just like he is because she loves him and wants to protect him. And so she's not even going to say anything to him to let her know or let him know that she's alive, that she knows he's alive. That's, that's an interesting dynamic if, if it ends up going that way. Although really any dynamic here is going to be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, because if she doesn't know she's, She's going to find out. I mean, yeah. um, 
I don't know what episode it's going to happen in. And so I don't know if you know something. I don't want you to say, obviously, if you do. But um, she's going to find out. She I know that. I know nothing. Okay. Um, so they talked about Micro's supposed death. Um, and I'm wondering, when exactly did it happen in the timeline uh, compared to Frank's family's death, the massacre in the park? Was it about the same time? Was it the same day? I think it was before. Before, okay. But I'm not sure. Because he leaked the video and some other and other stuff um and i i I don't know but it feels like his whole thing happened first and then you have frank's stuff i I don't know because frank's stuff all happened after things are coming out schoonover is doing his thing and you know and then you have the whole court martial for schoonover yeah, and they also talk about he's been micro has been dead for a year. Yeah. So I'm yeah. wondering if there's a timeline that somebody's put together. I'm so, sure there is. Yeah. I'm sure there I is. need to look at it now. <laughs> so let's talk about micro and Frank's conflict though. It's really this is good stuff. Um starts in the in the cafeteria. Nothing to have that. Starts in the cafe mm-hmm. and Frank gets a call. Asking for the the hipster guy or whatever, and and uh, and then he looks outside and sees a flash of light. Thinks that that's who is talking to him on the phone on the roof over across the street. He goes over there, and it turns out Micro was on top of the diner, <laughs> and so Frank sees him from over on the other side, and now he he loses him. You know, so Frank or, or um, Micro outwits Frank in that situation. Um, and then you have Frank going to his contact with Karen and finding out information. And then you have him going to the guy's house. And and then you have the whole thing at the end with go here and I'll go there and I'll go here and I'll go there. Go alone, go alone, go alone. Um, it, it was an interesting episode in that regard. I mean, it wasn't very, not a lot of real chases, not a lot of shooting, um, but it was interesting. And and Frank outwits the guy at the end because he ends up in the lair. I was calling it the lair. I don't know if there's a better thing to call it. For the micro. cage. His cage. We can yeah. say lair. Yeah. So he's in the lair now because he outwitted Micro. Which So you're saying this is the battle of wits. Well, this episode was for sure. Yeah. 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 So you have battle of wits there, and you have battle of wits with with Wolf as well. So, I mean, Frank is all about killing people. Don't get me wrong. But he's also all about doing things smart. Yeah, he's our tactical man. Work work smarter, not harder. That's 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 Frank's mantra. Like, I like how he moved out of his apartment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, changed how he's looked. And he knew that, um, and I, I have heard that, um, or I've heard recently that um, airports are now using the... Um, um, the gate of people's walks mm-hmm. to identify uh, like suspect individuals. Um, so that is a real thing. Um, and Frank knew about it. So he changed how he looked. He packed up his stuff, took it in a plastic bag, changed his gate. That was it. And that's how he got out. And that's how he, in the previous episode, that's what Micro was looking for. 
Yeah. He, he sees the the guy walking away. It, it wasn't facial recognition. He was watching how he was walking. And yeah, so it is. It was just this kind of battle of wits between the two of them going back and forth, um, feeling more like a, uh, a spy thriller than than an action movie or an 80s action movie, which is very different than a real action movie, which, you know, because 80s action movies are all about the bullets, just shooting, shooting, shooting. Direct-to-video action movies, let's mm-hmm. put it that way, um, where there, there's not so much shooting, there's not a lot of um, battling, but there is definitely conflict going on. And both conflicts that are going on with Frank are very emotionally driven. Yeah. Um, and And that's... That's also, that's good. That's good writing. Uh, so I, I know that this gets very violent. Uh, I do know that, that the season gets violent and is, is very, very violent. But this episode, it was really more about the, the chase. Yeah. It, it does kind of have more of a feel like die hard with a vengeance where, um, Bruce Willis is given all these clues to figure out how to defuse all these bombs. Yeah, yeah, or um, or sneakers, or sneakers, yeah, yeah or yeah, it's that kind of thing where it's more about figure it out, you know, trying to stay one step ahead of each other. Where it's you know less like Rambo. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Last episode was more like Rambo, <laughs> you know, where it's <laughs> use your hammer. Yeah. Though I did like when he sniped the guy all the way across the American Mexico border. (laughs) And I was thinking, huh, if I go back and listen to when you hear the bullet go off to when it, it goes through the guy's head, I wonder if I can figure out exactly how far away that was. I'm pretty sure I can. I'm pretty sure you could. I'm pretty sure they would, that they did it that way on purpose. So you, you would be able to like do a, you know, the speed of the bullet and the, the timing of the, the shot and the hit and yeah, I, I have a feeling that that much is very, very researched on their part. So now it's like a really fun math thing for me to do later. (laughs) Frank Castle is sitting on the inside of the American border and his target is outside the American border. His his shot takes (laughs) 2.3 seconds. I think it was more than 2.3 seconds. I don't know. Like three (laughs) It was definitely long enough to feel like, wait a minute, there's something, what's going on here? And then they pull the camera back. That was a great, great moment. Yeah. <laughs> Not a great moment because he's killing a guy, but it is good filmmaking there. Good. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about Karen in this episode? Karen, the return of Karen Page. Love her. Um, and I'm really excited. Um, I like how he goes old fashioned with the flowers. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. that's that's like thrillers classic spy stuff um yeah it reminded me of the x in the window in the x files yes but less conspicuous and that yeah you're getting back into those those kind of um well all the all the president's men you know that that with with deep throat and and you know you're getting into that kind of 70s thriller kind of thing political thriller the french connection so yeah but let's talk karen though Okay. Um, she, she shows up. She, uh, we also get her editor. I can't remember his name. I forget his name too. Her editor. Yeah. She get, we get her editor in the, in the episode as well. He's, he's a good guy. Um, although in this episode he talks about, um, 
you know, we didn't run this story because we we couldn't uh, confirm. We couldn't confirm, and then the government got involved, told them not to run the story uh, because they are in the middle of an active investigation, and then they ended up not running it at all. Yeah. Um, and so, you, you know, there's definitely this uh, disappointment involved there. But, um, yeah, I'm glad to see her back. I'm glad to see a familiar face. Uh, they had a connection. When he, you know, in, in season two of Daredevil, but I don't know. I, it feels a little forced. Like, let's just find some reason for her to be here. But then again, who else would he go to to find information like this? Yeah. And this is a uh, post Defenders, right? It is. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, she she just lost Matt. And then somebody else comes back from the dead, basically. Hmm. I didn't think about it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so all the Defender stuff happened. Frank was not around for it. Um, he might have been helpful for them, but not not his cup of tea. And he was out, when, when the Defender stuff was happening, he was out finishing the job, cleaning up all the rest of the the gangsters and the... The motorcycle gang and, and all that. Yeah, but now I keep thinking about that, that shot that he made across the American-Mexican border. <laughs> <laughs> I keep thinking, okay, did he break? What kind of brought? No, there's no sort of like you can't pull a country from the U.S. to Mexico, I think, and vice versa. Anyways, I'm sorry. I'm kind of stuck on that moment. So, uh, The last thing I have here is Kurt. Kurt. Yeah. Yes. It's good. You know, Punisher is a loner, but he's not. You know, he's got Karen, and Kurt is someone he's going to for emotional support. Uh, I'm not sure how often, but often enough that they have a nice, friendly banter. Kurt helps him with the whole micro situation and um, puts himself in a situation where he could have gotten hurt, but he trusts Frank. And so he's doing this, and, and Frank trusts him. And so, you know, when you have this this kind of character, this this kind of loner character, uh, it's hard because you, you it's hard to tell a story about a guy who's alone all the time, especially in a visual medium where, you know, who's he going to talk to and explain what's going on, you know? And, and, and so it, it's good to have Kurt. Um, I just feel like in the relationship between Frank and Kurt, Frank is the one who's taking and and Kurt is the one who's giving, and I just Kurt is a good guy. I like Kurt uh, because he is there to to just be a friend. Well, Kurt, um, he has experience. He was on uh, Frank's team when they were in the Marines, um, so he's been there. But he's also, um, I think he's. It sounds like he may have gone on to become a psychiatrist or he's had some sort of counseling um, training at this point. Um, yeah. They, they don't really spell it out, but it, he definitely knows what he's doing in that therapy group. Yeah. And um, so he is somebody that Frank needs right now. And he, he needs sort of like um, some, he needs a sidekick and I, I don't want to call Curtis a sidekick. He's, 
he, he's he's the Alfred in the Batcave. Wait, no, that would be Micro later. But anyways, no, he, he's he's the he's the emotional support, and and yeah. he's the one who is speaking for us. You know, like he's the one who's saying, uh, "You got to be careful. You know, you got to do this. You got to you can't let yourself fall into this hole, and we'll we'll help you out of the hole," kind of thing. Um, but then he goes this step further. And and here he is showing up, talking to Micro. Um, there's the threat of being killed. And he knows, you know, Frank knows he won't. And I, I don't think Frank would put Kurt in danger. But, or at least wouldn't put Kurt in, in danger knowingly. Yeah, but I think that uh, Frank trusts Kurt and can trust him to be able to get him out to get out of a bad situation if it does turn sideways. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. Kurt could probably hold his own too. Yeah, we just haven't seen it yet. I mean, he can certainly hold his own, you know, he can be patient, which we saw in that uh, group therapy. And he yeah. can yep. direct a conversation as needed. I like Kurt a lot. I have a feeling that Kurt is not going to really be able to help Frank the way that Frank really needs to be helped. Um but that's because Frank's character has to be this character. You know, he yeah. is the Punisher. And as soon as you let him get healed emotionally or let him start the healing process, um, then you're moving away from what that character is. Uh, it's like uh, I actually yeah. spoke to the people who wrote Batman Forever. And they were talking about how their script didn't do this, but the rewrite, um, they fixed Batman in that movie, you know, he, he's meeting with a psychologist and he conquers his demons and they fix him in that movie. And once you fix Batman, he's not Batman anymore. And, and the same here, you know, once you fix Punisher, he's not Punisher anymore. It's, it has to be at least 20 years since I've seen this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, that movie was, I was dating my wife at that time. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. it was 20 years yep. since I've seen it or, well, if you saw it in theaters, for sure, yeah. I saw it at home on VHS. We rented it from the video store. Mm. Yeah, not the greatest. No, not not as bad necessarily as everyone says it is. You know, everyone in your quotes or whatever. But no, because um, there's always Batman and Robin. That is as bad <laughs> as everyone says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. So anything else about uh, Punisher Two Dead Men? Hmm. I think that we have hit all the bullet points for my notes. All right. Well, we do have one uh, piece of feedback. Uh, it's a audio recording from our voicemail. And this is from Agent Michael. This is Agent Mike calling in for Punisher Episode 2. Still really liking the show. Don't get me wrong. Really good and tense and all that. Got a couple little things like the empty gun and the crawling out of the trunk of the car. A little obvious there. I'm I'm not the most attentive person in the world, but even I saw those two coming. Anyway, do really like it. Go enjoy. So, Agent Mike, I did not. I did not see it coming. I, I did not see it coming. And Samantha, did you see it coming? The the trunk, 
the trunk, no. The gun, um, I knew Frank was too smart to let Wolf get that gun. Um, so I kind of wondered while they were standing there and he was monologuing if the gun was loaded and it was not. Well, in my mind, it didn't have to be unloaded. Frank was going to get out of there, you know? Yeah. Um, again, I thought Wolf was going to survive too. I thought just Frank was going to escape. And, but you know what this meant was when he was tying Wolf up, he was tying him up in such a way that he knew Wolf would be able to get away. And I mean, there's a lot of forethought that went into that whole torture plan that wasn't torture. Yeah. I mean, he, he did go into the house with, um, with a plan to, well, yeah. And then at the end with the trunk, I didn't see the trunk coming. I did think probably he was following micro somehow, but I didn't see the trunk coming. And when it happened, I was like, Oh yeah, that's, that's great. You know, that's a good idea. And, and so he got in without having to, you know, I, I figured he was just like barge in with a vehicle, drive through the fence, smash through the door, something like that. But Punisher can be subtle sometimes. Yeah. And this, this tactic was just, I liked it even better. Cause I didn't think that about that, but if you can break a lock and get into a trunk, that's actually a lot smarter in some ways because you don't have to try to tail them and try to try not to lose a person. And here, all he had to do is just ride along. Yeah. Yeah. He's not going to get caught. <laughs> right. <laughs> not until, uh, well, we'll have to see next episode. Well, I mean, he's, he's, he's coming in now, you know? And and so we've got we've got the confrontation that will happen now. I'm just very curious about it. So. All right. Well, that is this episode. Uh, stay tuned after the credits and we'll talk a little bit about Spider-Man Farfenugan. So until next time, you have any uh, final words, Samantha? Uh, yes. Thank you very much for listening. And um, I want to give a special shout out to Andrew, Jeffrey, Tassel, 084, and Anthony, because they are our Patreon patrons. Thank you very much. Yeah, I really want to thank you for that. That's um, it's, it, it, it was help when we needed it, uh, when I finally had to pay for the website around Christmas time is what happened. And I wish I had chosen better timing on that, but we always end up having that bill come due in December when we also have Christmas presents coming due as well, you know, so that was a nice Christmas cheer from you. So thank you very much. And thank you for supporting this, this endeavor that we're doing and just going through all the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And, you know, in some cases, really timely and in other cases, not so much. So we have Punisher from last year and we have Runaways from last month. But uh, yeah, thank you for just spending time with us and allowing us to uh, to do this. And so uh, in, until next time, I want you to just remember that um, some people say that all this stuff, you know, comic book movies and the like are just stupid and Stupid nonsense, but you know, Bill Meyer, you're the guy I'm talking to right now saying that comic book movies are just stupid, but you know, nonsense 
is different from stupid. Thanks once more for listening. You've heard us. Now we'd love to hear from you. Just go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback to contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 You can also join the conversation by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash welcome to level seven, or by following us on Twitter where we are level seven pod. Welcome to level seven is a proud member of the noodle mix network. Find more of our award-winning and award nominated podcasts to help you think, laugh and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh at our clean comedy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, Godspeed. All right. So this is one of the reasons why news isn't always the greatest thing for this podcast, because first of all, people listen to podcasts, you know, a year later, two years later, sometimes. Um, And second of all, we're recording about this. The trailer has just dropped, but uh, this episode doesn't doesn't drop until another week or two. So, Samantha, very quickly, um, what are your first impressions of this trailer with no spoilers? Um, I can't give my first impressions because spoilers. Oh, did you like the trailer? I liked it. It's just, it's full of spoilers. The trailer is? Yeah, for Endgame. It's full of... (laughs) But no, it's not really. Well, we knew that that, uh, Far From Home was coming. We just didn't know what it was going to be about exactly. Right. I mean... If there's a spoiler from Endgame, it's that Spider-Man's not dead and and lots of other people aren't dead either and life is moving on. Yeah. You know, and so I – but what does that mean? I mean there's all sorts of things that this could mean and watching the trailer, life is going on. But does that mean life is going on with only half the population and only a few people have been rescued or does that mean life is going on as if it never happened? Does that mean that they're just picking up the pieces from this weird week where half the population disappeared, the other half the population panicked, and then a week later, everyone comes back, you know, and 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 as far as the people who were part of the snap are concerned, no time has passed. But, it, you know, so we don't know any of those details. And, and even that that I'm, I'm talking about right now, that's just me making stuff up off the top of my head. And actually could make a pretty cool story if they don't do it that way. But if they do do it that way, then they've got a cool story. But um, point being, you're right. We know a handful of people who made it through Endgame right now. None of them are costume people except for Spider-Man. So we don't know anything about any other characters. We don't see um, Tony. We don't see Doctor Strange. We don't see Banner. We don't see anyone we just see Parker and and a couple other supporting cast members and some awkward moments between them, which if you haven't seen the trailer, watch the trailer. If you have seen the trailer, <laughs> um, 
you know about the Aquaworm one that I'm talking about, and it's fun. Okay. Um, though you mentioned Tony was not in the trailer. Yes. And I'm wondering if there's a reason he's not in the trailer. Besides, they didn't just, they just, he wasn't just not in the trailer. There are three possible reasons he's not in the trailer. (laughs) One is he's not in the movie, (laughs) Um, which is very possible. Uh, Another is, yeah, he's dead. And another. Which is what I'm thinking. Yeah. And um, the third is that he's, you know, they're still trying to keep the mystery going. True. Yes. I think he's dead. I think he's dead too. Cause they were setting him up to die in the, in, um, in infinity war. So, yeah. and I, I don't think it's going to be, you know, freezing to death in a, in a spaceship that's drifting in outer space without food and water and heat. No, but so. what, what I'm thinking is, you know, we're talking about contracts and all these real world things. Um, and sometimes it's just time to say goodbye because you want to do something else with your life. That's, that's different. Who knows? Yeah. And I, I do know there's a lot of conversation online. Um, I've seen a couple different places where people have talked about, um, should they have done this? Should they have released this trailer now? Should they, shouldn't they have waited until after end game? And my, phrase that i'm using is simply sony has a business to run yes they do so this is a it's a co-production it's disney and sony and so yeah sony they have a movie coming out in july and usually you have a trailer about six months before the movie sometimes it's longer than that sometimes it's shorter than that but generally speaking you've got to have a trailer to create buzz, to let people know it's coming and let people know when it's coming. I know uh, Stuart, as we were talking about this on uh, our Facebook thread um, for the the team, the the podcast team, he he was talking about how he's he doesn't think that they should have done it necessarily. I was just thinking maybe they should have released this movie in the fall because that would have given them a window between Endgame and the release of Far From Home where they could have had that six months. Um, on the other hand, and spoiler alert, they make it clear that this move that far from home is set during the summertime. And it is kind of odd when you have a movie released and the movie is set in a, a different time of year than when you're watching it in the theater. Yeah. Yeah. Like Iron Man three. Yeah. Um, so Stuart said, trying to decide if it's a good or bad idea to let us know that both Spoiler and Peter Parker are alive and well after Endgame. I know Marvel has a trick up their sleeve with Endgame, but I'm disappointed that we as an audience know they will come back. Just like in the Endgame trailer, we find out that Spoiler was okay. Fine, I'll hashtag trust Feige, but still. <laughs> and so that's that's kind of Stuart's thing. Um, and then I say, Sony has a business to run. <laughs> This is not a Disney choice, I'm convinced. And he said, you mean to tell me that Disney couldn't put something in the contract that says don't spoil the biggest cliffhanger of all time? And then we start talking about other cliffhangers like Best of Both Worlds and and that. But Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, Fire. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, yeah. So they wait until after Endgame. Endgame is when? Uh, Endgame is... Uh, they moved it up to April, correct? Yeah. Like the yeah, end of so April? April. So 
if it's at the end of April, that that means if they waited until Endgame to release this trailer, it's two months before. Yeah. I mean, they just that's bad. That's bad for Sony uh, to have to wait that long. Of course, if they released it in, like, say, August, that could have given them another month. Yeah, they would have had to release it this early. But here's the thing about releasing it in August is, you know, they want summer movie money. True. You know, I, so this is Sony. Like, Sony has a has a business to run. I'm, and I'm just going to leave it at that. So. Yeah. All right. Well, that's uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. And if you haven't seen the trailer and don't mind a little bit of spoilers, see it. Um, if you have seen the trailer, um, let us know what you thought and we can maybe talk about it in another post credit. All right. Well, thanks, Samantha, for joining me. And uh, next episode is Runaways Season 2, Episode 3.